We are back again on a Wednesday. Today is June 28th, uh, 2023. And we are in Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy chapter 23, but uh, first I'm going to show you something in Leviticus um, 18. And this past Sunday, uh, the message was uh, about two topics that are very prevalent for the, you know, in June, every year, seems like we got this Pride Month going on. So the message on Sunday was about uh, not just, it's not just homosexuality anymore, it's become way more than that. And then we have the decision from the Supreme Court that happened to fall in June a year previous. So all of that just kind of came together. I didn't want June to go away without uh, preaching a message on that because silence is something that God judges very harshly. Silence. When we just mind our own business and we don't say anything, that means that we are consenting to it. If you hear something that is wrong, if you hear, if you hear the name, and, and in that, what I read talked about using the Lord's name in vain. That's mixed in with those, those topics that we talked about. We are supposed to stand up for our holy God when we hear people using his name or his image. That's, that's why the, the, the video that came out on the, I think it was the Dodgers uh, Pride Night that they did. They had that person that was hanging on a cross and did, they did some very weird stuff with that. Every preacher in California should have been throwing a total fit everywhere, but you didn't hear anything. You know, there may have been a few, but you, did, you don't hear, but that is using the Lord's name in vain big time when you do stuff like that. And we're supposed to come out and make sure everybody understands what they're doing and, and how horrible it is. So when I... Uh, went to the jail last night for Bible study. I need to clarify why I went there. I went there for Bible study. Uh, I knew Cameron wasn't going to be there. I had a busy, busy day. Everything worked out perfectly through the day to where I was able to get one last yard in that I didn't know I could do, and I got it done, and then I rushed up this way, and everything worked out. Boom, boom, boom. Showed up at the jail. Perfect timing, went in, and um, I, before I went back there, I was looking through uh, a couple of scriptures that I wanted. I wanted, to, you know, I'm going, I'm going to preach a little different or teach a little different to a bunch of guys locked up in jail than I will, you know, the people who come here. Much like. Uh, I would do a different message or present it in a different way when I was going down to the nursing home. You know, it's different people, and they need to be spoken to a little differently. 
all, all those men over here at the jail, I can speak to them a little differently. And they need to be spoken to a little differently. So I was looking up a verse that I wanted to make sure they understood was in the Bible. And it's uh, Leviticus 18.22. And when I, when I went there to read it, I looked right above it, the verse right above it. And I went, whoa, I forgot that that was there. So in, in Leviticus 18, 22, it says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Now the, the living, I think this, yeah, this is the living Bible. The Living Bible, and it has modern English, and it says, Homosexuality is absolutely forbidden, for it is an enormous sin. If you have trouble understanding that out of King James. Sometimes I'll read out of uh, a newer version like that just because of the English the different, you know, the more modern words. You know, I don't do that very often. Now, look at the verse that's right above 22. That's one of the things I preached on on Sunday, right? And thou shalt not let any of thy seed, which would be your offspring, the babies you bring into this world, pass through the fire to Molech, Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. So, I, would, I just thought that that was amazing that abortion and homosexuality are side by side in this uh, list. And now, you know, don't read, don't read before or after. This now, actually, when you go after these two verses, it talks about the land being defiled because of these sins. The land being defiled. Now, if you back up and read all of eighteen, it's just gross. It's just a bunch of gross stuff, and that's not what we're studying tonight. But uh, I just wanted y'all to see that. That would have been a perfect thing to add in to this past Sunday's uh, message. Now, the, f <laughs> the first thing we're going to read out of Deuteronomy 23 is not pleasant at all. And remember, I was, I was uh, telling y'all last week that a lot of the stuff that's in Deuteronomy, what we're going through these last couple weeks and what we'll, we'll be doing for this week and probably next week, is it's not pleasant. And... Um, but because I don't want to skip over anything, I would like to, when we get done with this, I would like to be able to say that we read every single word out of Deuteronomy when we finish up. So, notice that these are, these are a bunch of laws that we've been going over, and these laws are, are just making sure that the nation of Israel understands that you have to obey, obey these things especially because of where you're going to. You're going into a land that has been defiled, 
And God, what, what happens? What happens when you, you have a land that is defiled? What happens to the people? They get taken out. God takes them out. So I'm, a, I'm very afraid for this country because we're defiling the land. And, we, and it gets worse and worse that at some point we're not going to be under God's protection and He is going to allow someone to come in and take our land from us because we don't have His protection anymore. So that is a big concern because every time you see these things happen in, in a land, they get taken out somehow. And... We, we know that when we were reading out of Jeremiah on Sunday that he was telling the people of Israel, look, this is what's going to happen. Because of, because of all these terrible things you're doing, all these abominations, God is going to use a pitiful, heathen nation to come in and take you out. So as we go through all of these things, we, we, go, we come across some really weird stuff. And, you know, it wasn't pleasant going over the things we went over last week, uh, talking about, um, you know, women and men, and um, basically we were talking about rape and men being forced to marry the woman and was responsible for her. And, you know, we don't, we don't do those things today. Uh, we would never force a woman in that situation. So there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that we're going to read here that's still the principle, the law. It's things that we have to really hold on to. And then what you do is you have to test it, test it with what the New Testament says as well. Because you know, we have to be careful about keeping the feast days. They're told to keep them. If we try to keep them, then we, we, underst- we understand that, we're, that, would, that would make us trying to uh, please God by the types and the shadows when we've got the real thing, Jesus Christ. All of those feast days, the sacrifices, for us to say, all right, did, all right everybody go to the farm right over here and get a spotless lamb from Chip over here. I saw Chip today. I said hi to him. But you probably have to go get some goats because I don't know if he has any sheep. He's got about everything you can imagine, but I don't think he has any sheep. But you can go in there and get a little baby goat for a sacrifice. He's actually had people call him and, and, and wanting to buy a male goat. And he's like, well, do you want us to go ahead and you know, get it slaughtered for you? Oh, no, no, it's got to be alive, got to be alive, got to be a male. And it was some you know, religion where they still sacrifice animals. And he's like, okay, it's $400 regardless, <laughs> or whatever the price is. But those things still happen today. If we was to do it as Christians, you could come to the Old Testament here and say, see there, this is what, this is what we're supposed to do. And if you didn't have the New Testament, how could anybody argue with you? So, which things in, in, that we're reading out of Deuteronomy are still very much in play today because of what the New Testament says 
and the things that we don't hold on to today, but we can learn from them. Okay, main thing is obeying. We've got to learn to obey God's ways and not ours, not our ways. All right, you can tell I don't want to read verse 1. <laughs> okay, he that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Now, the, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to read out of the Living Bible because it's, it's, it's very, very today's words. So, you know what, being castrated. Okay, so you're, we're talking about the, a male, a man, who reproductive organs, they're either damaged, wounded, whatever. So if that happened, it would have made that man a eunuch. The Bible calls them eunuchs. The Bible also says that a lot of the nation of Israel, the, the boys and the men that were taken into Babylon, they were made eunuchs. Daniel was probably a eunuch because... That he, he was a wise young man with a lot of potential, and, and the Nebuchadnezzar and his crowd, they, they picked out certain ones, and they used them. They, we need to keep you aside, and we're going to train you in all these things of the Babylonian ways, and we want to convert you. We want to indoctrinate you into our ways with that wonderful brain of yours, and you're going to help us. So how do you get somebody to really concentrate on all these studies? Well, that would do it. Making them a eunuch, would, they would, their mind would not be focused on certain things, natural things that they would be focused on, and they would be more focused on what you wanted them to do. You know, the Bible even says that some people, it, some people can be born that way. They're just born a eunuch. Or somebody can make them a eunuch, or they can actually make themselves a eunuch. Now, today, we're actually dealing with, you know, if you was to have read this right here five years ago, you probably would have never thought about the things that are happening now, like chemical castration, where a boy would, I can remember one of my cousins who's still around today, he, when he, it was three boys in the family. I, don't, I, don't, I won't say names just for, to protect them and me. <laughs> Mainly me. So that, I remember they, they lived a good ways away, and they came in for vacation, whatever, to visit family, and the three boys were over at the house, and I was small. And I can remember the three boys, and, and one of them was really close to my age, and we were playing, and then the older one, we looked up to him. And then the middle brother, I can't remember how old he was, but he's probably nine, I'm guessing. And he just kind of wandered around the yard. We had a real big yard. It was behind your house back there. Okay. And they, the brothers were laughing and picking at him because, yeah, he says he's a girl. This was, what, in the 70s, early 70s. And he said he was a girl at nine years old. He pretended to be a girl. Now, if he was to walk in here right now, he is beefy, he's a big dude, he went to VMI, 
He's married to a beautiful woman. He's got kids. Him living today at nine years old and saying that, if he was in the wrong family, then some crazy stuff could happen to him. And then, can you imagine him... To, if, if he would have went through something like that, what he would have done to his parents for allowing something like that to happen. To become uh, emasculated or, or castrated, whether it's chemically or physically, to where he no longer is able to be a normal man, grow up and get married and have kids. Now, as we, as we talk about all of these crazy things that are happening in America today, there's something very common with all of them. If you, what we've just been talking about, if you go through that process, whether it's a girl thinking that she is a boy or wanting to be a boy, and they go through a process to try to make it happen, she ends up to where she can never produce fruit. She will not be able to have kids. Same thing with the boy who thinks he wants to be a girl, the same thing. So, so they are being uh, made to where they cannot be fruitful. They cannot bring children into the world. Abortion, very obvious. It takes babies out before they ever have a chance to get into the world. Homosexual relationships, that's pretty obvious. No babies are going to be born out of that. It's impossible. It won't happen. So do you see all of these things that we're dealing with right now? Why does Satan hate babies being born so bad? Why? He wants to wipe out the human population. He's been jealous of them ever since these two people showed up in his garden that he was kicked out of many years before. Now, you know, we were talking about this at the jail last night. Now, I know that some of y'all have been to the uh, ark thing. You, you just went to the ark, right? Okay. Many of you may have been there. You've heard about it. And I love what they did, and I would love to go there someday. I just don't agree with the person who, who did it as far as his... His doctrine as far as creation. Now, by no means do I believe in any kind of evolution. Zero on that. I think it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing to try to even argue against it. It's so stupid. It just is. Evolution is dumb. But when I open up my Bible, I see that there is an earth there that something catastrophic has happened to it. That is what has happened. In the, and, and I believe that the seven days of creation were seven 24-hour days because it says the morning and the evening. It was a 24-hour day. There are people out there that will say, well, a, a, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. So that one day it was really a thousand years. And they, and they, they want to, or, or a million years, whatever number they want to put on it so that they can justify this old earth. Now, I believe that the earth was created along with the galaxy that our earth is in. I believe that it was created in the beginning. 
but I have no idea when the beginning was. Because in the beginning was a long, long, long time ago. Think about eternity forward and eternity backwards. In the beginning, we don't know when that was. When we open up our Bibles, we see that the earth is in a very bad state. We also know over time that our universe is in a very bad state. It's not, it's out of order. Our universe, planets, are tilted and upside down. Something catastrophic happened, not just to the earth, but to the universe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The heaven. He, it, the, what that statement is saying is that the universe, where the earth is, all of that was created in the beginning. Now, if you go to Ezekiel 28, and you don't have to turn there, I'm just referencing it. You will see where Ezekiel is talking to the prince or the king of uh, Tyre, or Tyrus, and he's talking to that person. But as he keeps talking to them, it becomes very obvious that he's talking to the devil himself. See, the devil, when he showed up in the garden when Adam and Eve was there, he was very upset that God had created other beings and put them there and was having a relationship with them, a perfect relationship. Satan was a spirit, and he was out somewhere watching this. And in Ezekiel, I'm pretty sure it's Ezekiel 28, where it says that he, Lucifer, it doesn't say Lucifer in, in, in Ezekiel, but it says Lucifer in Isaiah. Isaiah, is it 14? Isaiah 14, 12? Lucifer. So in one, and you can read both of those places, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. And when you read both of those chapters, you're going to see where Satan himself was, sometime in the past, was in Eden which is another name for earth. That was his dominion. And it even goes into what he did wrong in merchandising and trafficking, and that he was wanting to go up and be like the Most High. I will go up. I will ascend. I will, I will, I will. Pride, pride, pride. And there was... Satan was kicked out, and I believe it was Jesus saying that he, he himself saw Satan go through the sky like lightning. When did that happen? When did that happen? We don't see any record of it in the chronological order of the Bible. There's nowhere that shows us where it happened. But it's obvious it happened sometime before Genesis chapter 3. So Satan is very jealous of the human race. We were made in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. And the very first thing that happens is he shows up to mess up that relationship with God. And he was successful. So what caused all of the 
chaotic environment that was on the earth. It was total darkness. It was totally flooded. Everything in the, in the earth had been wiped out. When we open up our Bibles, that's what we see by the time we get to the second, second verse. That's what we see. And then you see God fixing it. See, God never makes anything. He has never created anything that wasn't perfect when he created it. People will say, well, that picture of the earth being that way is a picture of man, fallen man, and how he is uh, totally uh, depraved, and he needs this spiritual awakening, and that's what the earth needed. Okay, I like that. But when Adam was created, he was created perfect. He had perfect relationship with God. Then he sinned, and that caused a bad situation. And he, the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. He was going to die if those two little lambs didn't get slain and their hides were used for clothing. Lambs died that day. And Abel got a very good lesson from his mom and dad about something innocent has to die when you sin against God. So, what caused the earth to be in that horrible situation when we open up our Bibles and we can't go two verses without seeing it. Something happened to it. I don't know if it was a thousand years before Adam and Eve showed up on the earth. I don't know if it was 3,000 or a million years before. I don't know, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. But to say that Satan fell at the same time, that doesn't make sense. But... I mean, I love Ken Ham, and he's done a lot of good stuff. But if you go to his Ark Encounter, he's got Bibles there, and they're all new, new translations. They're new, which I have issues with a lot of places that have been wiped out of the new, new, new Bible versions. And he is so into trying to get people to think that the earth is new, he's disregarding some very important parts of the Bible that I don't like. And as soon as you start making sense, start showing them these places, and I've watched things on YouTube where now, because they don't like what Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 says, that proves that Satan was here way before, they are making it to now to where, well, after further review, that's, he's, he's talking to the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre. He never was talking to Satan. Are you kidding me? Those earthly men did not do those things that is talked about in those two chapters. It's obviously the devil. And, and in the new translation, or the new versions of the Bible, Lucifer is gone. You don't even see the name Lucifer anymore. It's gone. So all of these crazy things is still a part of Satan hating the human race. What he does to hurt the human race, every time he's successful in getting a civilization to start doing all of these weird things that, we, you know, we think they're weird, but they're becoming normal in this land. It's defiling the land. It's causing babies to die. It's causing babies not to be born. It's just an attack on it. Now, the reason that he's doing it is because his goal is to hurt God. 
And he can't do anything to God, but he sure can do stuff to us. And he's doing it. You know, what would hurt you more than anything? You know, if the bad guy comes after you, that's bad enough. But the real evil bad guys, they'll come after your kids. Because you'll do anything for them. And if they get hurt, it hurts you way worse. And that's exactly what Satan's doing. That's how evil he is. He was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Verse 2. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Verse 3. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Now, so that tells you that it's, it's just a play on words. If you say, well, tell you what, the tenth generation from now, they'll be good. <laughs> That's how many years is that? 400 years, 500 years later, nobody's around. Nobody knows. It's, it's uh, what you would call an idiom. <clears throat> it means forever. If you got tenth generation, that means never. It's just not going to happen. You're out. Remember, this is Old Testament. Now, who were the Moabites and the Ammonites? Y'all know. Most of y'all know. They were the two sons that came from Lot when they left Sodom. Now, what another amazing story that you can preach about and teach about. Just go to the story of Sodom. If, if you're dealing with this issue of Leviticus 18.22, thou shalt not lie with mankind like you would with womankind. It is abomination. The story of Sodom is a very good place to go to. Lot, his two virgin daughters, because he had other daughters in the city that were married. They had husbands in the city. But he had the two virgin daughters at his house. And then when they finally got out of there, the two virgin daughters went with them. Now, they were so corrupted, even though they were young, because children are the ones that get corrupted when society gets to that point. You know, we think it's bad here. It's bad in our country right now. It's bad. Well, it had gotten worse in Sodom. And that was a long time ago. And the children were corrupted to where it was normal to them. The, some of the things that are going on right now, it's just, it's sickening, some of the things that are going on right now with these uh, pride events at baseball games and these parades that are happening and these naked people riding on bicycles in this parade and parents are bringing their kids to watch it. What's wrong with the parents? They're messed up. So yeah, we're really messed up, but it had gotten worse in Sodom to the point that the angels came to visit to make sure it was as bad as they thought. And then they're like, yeah, God, it's pretty bad. And they called in, you know, called it in. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And they got, they got Lot and his two, two well, Lot and his, and his wife and his two daughters. And they left, but, of course, his wife didn't make it very far. She turned into a pillar of salt. So the three left, and the two virgin daughters were so corrupted 
in their childhood that they came up with that idea of bringing to, so that their father would have sons. Well, that was a very important thing to the Israelites. And they got him drunk. And one of the daughters had a baby by him. And that would be uh, Moab, the tribe of Moab, or the nation of Moab. And then the other daughter, uh, Ammon, which the nation of the Ammonites. So that's who they are. From an incest relationship. That's what, that's what that's from. So these people, a person who had been made a eunuch somehow, whether it be by accident or maybe, maybe, just maybe, that back in this pagan, horrible pagan situation that they were actually moving into, God had taken the Canaanites, all those people had taken them out because of all the horrible things they did and defiled their land, and now the Israelites are moving in, and he's telling them, he that is wounded in these stones or hath his private member cut off. So maybe that was something that they did. We're doing it now to little boys. We're doing that now. Parents are taking their little boys to doctors and doctors are actually doing this right now in this country. So none of these people... If it was an illegitimate marriage, you married outside of your nation and you brought forth a child, they would be a, a, what this says is a bastard. Or if a woman just had a baby and it, it would just... These, these things that happened, you were not allowed to come into the congregation. But Isaiah says something... Remember, we got the New Testament that's coming way after this. Now, Isaiah says something. <clears throat> it, it, when you get into Isaiah in the 50s, and you start like uh, Isaiah 53, and you see Christ, you, you start to see some really cool stuff that's going to happen in the future. In 56, there's, there's something. Uh, listen, listen to what, it's, what Isaiah says. He's looking toward the future. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Which is 700 years, basically. So when there's something at my house that needs to be fixed, and my wife says, When are you going to do this? I say, Soon. Soon. Jesus said he's coming soon. Isaiah says that it's near to come. It's near to come, dear. It might be 700 years from now, but it's going to get done. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself unto the Lord, speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. See, he's, he's, Isaiah is saying, look, in the future, when this happens, when Jesus actually comes, and then he's going to fix these things, where you're totally separated, you cannot come and be in the congregation of the Lord but there's coming a time in the future when you're going to be able to. Let's keep reading. Neither let, neither let the eunuch say, 
Behold, I am a dry tree. See, a eunuch cannot produce fruit. He's a dry tree. No fruit's coming from him. But don't let that eunuch say, I am a dry tree, for thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. See, that new covenant that's coming, when they take hold of Jesus Christ, even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of the sons and of the daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. They will have a name in heaven written in the Lamb's book of life. Even eunuchs. Even those people who are strangers that are separated. They're all going to be able to come into that new covenant. So Isaiah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful, that in the future, and that future was 2,000 years ago, uh, verse 4 of Deuteronomy 23, you don't allow the Ammonites and the Moabites, and there's a good reason, there's, they did a lot of bad stuff, not only were they, you know, just from where they originated, but the things they actually did, because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt. Now, some of them, actually, they did, but they were not hospitable. They treated you bad. It's not that they didn't do this at all, but they, were, they should have done a lot better. And because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor of Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Thou shalt not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever. Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. So they are the descendants of Esau. So don't... I, I know he's saying basically I know you're not going to like them much but don't abhor them thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian it's like really they chased us down and was about to kill us uh, because thou wast a stranger in his land okay so the Egyptians ended up doing some really really bad things to them and had bad intentions for them when they chased them down to the sea but they opened up their land and allowed all those people to come in. All of Joseph's family was able to go down there. So that's what God wants them to remember. It was all for a purpose. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of the Lord in their third generation. So those people actually have to wait a while, but not forever. When the host goeth forth against thine enemies, then keep thee from every wicked thing. Alright, so, we'll read a little bit of this, then we're going to run out of time, and we'll pick up where we left off um, next week. So, let's read a little bit more. If there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness, that chanceth him by night, then shall he go abroad out of the camp, he shall not come within the camp. But it shall be when evening cometh on, 
he shall wash himself with water, and when this sun is down, he shall come into the camp again. Thou shalt have a place also without, outside the camp, whither thou shalt go forth abroad, and thou shalt have a paddle, or basically a shovel, upon thy weapon, and it shall be when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, thou shalt dig therewith, and shalt turn back and cover that which cometh from thee. So that's just the first septic system. And if the, <laughs> the people of Europe would have read their Bibles more when the plagues were going on, they had, they had su- it was, you, know, you have a row of houses and a row of houses, and you, out your back door, out your back window, all your waste went out that down into the sewage ditch. <clears throat> if they would have read their Bibles, they would have handled it a little differently. And there wouldn't have been all those rats that would have came to the sewage. And the rats carried the fleas, and then the fleas bit the people, and the people got the plague. <clears throat> and then if you were a, if you were a thief or a murderer, or you know, locked up in prison, then you were hired to go clean out these houses because you were going to die anyway. So let them go in. So they would. So there was these four thieves or or inmates that were teamed up, and they thought that the plague was in the air. So they came up with this concoction of different herbs and different things. I think they maybe even lit it on fire to where they would walk in and let that smoke, you know, go through there and and purify the air. And after a while, the people noticed they never got sick. They're like, wow, they aren't, they're on to something. But what it was, the fleas hated hated the scent and the smoke and the fleas stayed off of them because of that. They thought they were purifying the air, but they were just repelling the fleas. <clears throat> That's just a little history lesson. That's free of charge. All right. So let's, uh, you know, so basically anything that is unclean. Now, exactly what all of that meant, uh, it says, talking about if, if you were a soldier, if you were going to war, you were away, you had a camp, and if you did something unclean that you would have to clean yourself outside the camp, wash with water, wait till the sun to go down before you could come back, it was all about keeping things clean and holy because God is with you wherever you are, and if you want Him to be with you in battle, you want him to be with you to protect you while you're sleeping at night. Don't do anything that would cause God to leave. Because in 14 it says, For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy that he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. So we can learn from this. Now we know today that we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But even though that we are, we could still do things that are not holy 
that would cause God to be disappointed in what we're doing. So we need to, we need to uh, make sure that we don't defile our church building. That we don't, there, there are certain things we just won't allow. It's even in our bylaws. You know, you don't do this, don't do that. Uh, you know, if we had um, certain situations, we try to address those things, like what we consider not following God's word, we try to address people to where we let them know, you know, we just need to clean some things up. Just clean it up. Um, there's all, we can get at all kinds of stuff on that, even to the type of music that we let sung at a, at a singing over in the fellowship hall. There are certain people who would get extremely upset if you sang a certain song. That would be considered way too secular. Are you, uh, is that an unholy thing and God's going to walk away? I don't know. Something to think about, but we can, you can get overboard on that stuff. You know, there's some churches, if you have women come in with, a, with makeup on, they make a big issue out of that. Um, there's a lot of things that we have to, we just have to pray about. And um, certain things you've got to take care of, and there's other things that you're just being legalistic. You're just going overboard. So, um, but the most important thing is that you go with your convictions and your conscience, because that's really where it's going to boil down to that. You know, your your conscience. If you go against it, um, then that's that's bad. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for being there for us, and Father, help us to, uh, to read your word, understand your word, and Father, that we are able to rightly divide the truth, that we understand the things that were for just the nation of Israel, Father, things that were just for those times and that have gone away, but Father, help us to, to understand the things that we need to still hold on to, things that we need to make sure that we don't do to be unholy. We don't, wanna, we don't want to defile our land, defile this church. Father, we want to be a holy people, for you are holy. Father, we just ask that you would help us in that. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.